Just before we go into our communion service, I want to share a little message with you this morning entitled, Laying Down Our Lives. Because I've had so many communion services and conducted them so frequently over the many plus 30 plus years, I've always asked the Lord to refresh my mind about the communion service. Because if you do something for as long as many pastors have, and in our case, 34 years, four times a year, you add that up, it could become pretty routine. And nothing is more dangerous than getting in a routine and forgetting the significance of it. That's why pilots, whenever they get into the cockpit of a plane, before they take off, they have a checklist. Because they may have 25,000 hours, but if they miss one detail, it could mean the difference between life and death. And so there are details of the communion service that sometimes we may overlook or we may miss. And I didn't want that. And so I thought, Lord, what else is there about the communion service that I could still learn something new? And the Lord brought to my mind the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights. Many of you don't know that the Bill of Rights are the first 10 amendments in the Constitution. So significant to the citizens of the United States. It guarantees that civil rights and liberties of the individual will not be violated. But you don't really appreciate the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press or the freedom of religion until those things are about to be taken away from you. And you think, wait a minute, you're violating my rights. And I thought about that, that our government has set rules that they call it the due process of the citizens of America. And because these bills and these rights are in place, we just can't do to citizens what we want to without having to as an outside entity, whether law enforcement or whether any other government or non-governmental person, they cannot just impose upon us their likes and dislikes and, right, and violate our rights. And I thought about the benefits of citizens of the United States and the Bill of Rights. And then the scripture that came to me was from the Word of God. John 1.12, but as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Wow. When we receive Jesus, we get rights. And then we find that again in Revelation 22 verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Thank God that children of God, we have rights. But as you follow that train of thought, those rights can be violated. But let's go a step further and now begin to apply this to Jesus. Jesus had rights. He existed before all of us ever existed. And his rights were not violated, but he laid down his rights 
to preserve our rights. He laid down his eternity that he may guarantee for us eternity. He laid down his glory, his right to be honored, his right to be praised. He put everything on the line. He put all of his rights on the line that when the time came, he was, there was a 50-50 chance that Jesus could have failed in his mission and his rights would never be reinstated again. He laid down his rights because he loved us. And so when you look at the story, the scripture reading that you find in the bulletin, when you look at the story and you look at this 33-year hiatus, it was not just 33 years out of a life of a person who existed from everlasting and will exist to everlasting, but it was the riskiest time in his life. Think of that of a serviceman. Think of that of a person in the military. The persons in the military as a citizen, they have access to the same Bill of Rights as we do. But when they join the military, they don't forego their rights or give up their rights, but they do something that's even higher than that. They decide to lay down their lives so that my rights can be guaranteed day and night. Can you say amen to that? They laid down their rights by land, by sea, by air, whatever means, whatever means of military service, they laid down their rights so that our rights can be preserved. So I can drive across the town, I can get on an airplane, I can go to different parts of the world, and when I present a passport, I'm a citizen of America, they know right away, wait a minute, this person is covered by the Bill of Rights. That's why when somebody is either kidnapped or arrested or sequestered overseas. I remember them telling my wife and I when we got our, uh, uh, what they call it, trusted traveler's card, which we have, we keep, with it, we keep with us all the time when we travel. It's called global entry. Global entry. Wherever we go around the world and we come back home, we have the right to come back into America without going through all the questioning. Do you have weapons? Do you have drugs? What do you have with you? They look at that card and they say, go right ahead, because they have cleared us. They said, you are a trusted traveler. Was Jesus a trusted traveler? <laughs> if anybody was, he is. But he laid down his rights that we might have our rights preserved. And you may think the sermon is about rights and Bill of Rights and liberties as citizens, but it's far deeper than that. Because at the most critical moment of the life of Christ, we find in John 13, verse 37 and 38, Peter, seeing that Jesus was facing a predicament, recognizing that the rights of Jesus were being violated, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? He saw Jesus going through the moment of the difficulty of his life. And then he says, I will lay down my life for your sake. Peter said, I will lay down my life for your sake. But look what Jesus responded by saying in verse 38. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Will you? And then he said, most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And I thought, well, I've read that text before. I've read that text before. I've read that text again and again and again and again. 
What does this have to do with the communion service? If the Lord told Peter to throw himself under a bus, Peter would have done it. If the Lord told Peter to fight for his honor, Peter would have done it. As a matter of fact, you know the Lord didn't tell Peter to do it, but he pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. And the Lord said to Peter, don't do that. I could have called 12 legions of angels. The Lord says, if I needed to, I had access without even picking up a phone. I could have just said a word and 80,000 angels would have come to my rescue. Come on, somebody. 80,000 angels, 12 legions of angels. That's the kind of power that Jesus had. But Jesus said, no man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. But then he illustrated this right that he was willing to lay down so that ours can be preserved. And then he says in John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. The Lord was not asking Peter to die for him. He was asking Peter to live for him. What was he asking Peter to do? Live for him. And as I've studied this out, that text, John 15, 13, is often hidden in the reality of the cross because when we say greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends, we say, yes, Jesus gave his life on Calvary for me. But that's not what this text is talking about. That was the ultimate aspects of what Jesus was willing to do. But brethren, think about it. We will not understand until eternity rolls what Jesus actually gave up to come down here. What he gave up to be in this community. Oh, what a community. What a community, Joe. How many of you would give up what he gave up to be in this community? He found a dot in his solar system called Earth. He knew that those on this planet were abandoned to certain death. And he gave up all his rights as Lord and King to come down and rescue you and me. That's a, say it again, Brian. That's a hallelujah moment. And I, I think sometimes we are so tefloned by our doctrines that that slides right off of us when we hear about it. Jesus gave his life for us. It slides off of us. But had he not, where would we be today? But the life part was the extreme of what he came to do. He came down to lay down his right as king of kings and lord of lords, to lay down his right as creator of heaven and earth, to lay down his right of adoring angels who 24 hours a day sang, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He laid down his right and he took a 33-year hiatus from creating other galaxies just so he can say, I have penciled in my calendar I need to go to earth and rescue my children. And I don't think that we will ever understand what he actually did. Well, let's try. Let's try. Let me make some frail human attempts. 
let's say the former president or the present president, hears that we have a difficulty in our family. He decides to put off his position as president, come to our house, and decide to take care of our problems for the next month. Yeah, right. Let's not go that high up. Let's go to governor. We got a governor named Governor J.D. Pritzer. Governor Pritzer hears about our difficulty, trials in our home, low finances. He decides to step down for a month as governor of the state of Illinois. Moves into Moses Primo's house to guarantee that Moses Primo family has everything they need for the next year. Right. No way, right? So when we say, oh, I know Governor Pritzer, the better question is, does he know you? I want to say today, I know Jesus, and I'm glad that Jesus knows me. He came down, the Bible says, Paul says in Philippians 2 and verse 8, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. He lowered himself. He took off eternity. He passed thrones and kingdoms and princes. He made himself of no reputation. So unattractive, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he had no form that anybody would even desire him. He could blend into the crowd and nobody said, there is the king of kings and lord of lords. He did not even want attention on himself. He came on a mission to rescue us. And the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 2 verse 9 says it this way. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Let's say that. He died for me. He died for me. He didn't just die for Joe. He died for me the creator of the angels, the commander of the angels, decided to put on human frailty, subject to the mortality and the possibility of eternal failure, he decided to lay all that down and came down to die for us. Who was he? The psalmist David said that in Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth. Come on, Joe, grab this. Or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, say it with me, church, you are God. Before earth became a, a project in his construction calendar, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from You are God. He laid that down, Jenny, to come down here. He said to the angels, if everything goes right, I'll be back in 33 years. They said, can't we go in place of you? No, this is not a mission for you. You are, you are not fit to face the adversary in this planet. You're not fit. You don't have a clue. You might have a clue because you stayed but he's a whole lot worse than he was. He's a whole lot more tenacious than he was when we expelled him. I need to handle this myself. 
I want to tell you that a lot of things are going to happen to me. And Ellen White says that there were days when Jesus was going through difficulty in his life that the angels would have loved to bear his burden, but they were prohibited from lifting a finger because he had to go through what he had to go through. That one day we can go through what we don't deserve to go through, and that is the gates into the new Jerusalem. He humbled himself. That's why when we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That text is just, we've heard that so much, that, te that text, Kevin, is just like another stop sign to us. But that text encapsulates the willingness of God to send his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then, as I wind up this sermonette, he says, okay, now I did this, so what do I want Kevin to do? What do I want Jonathan to do? Or what do I want Dan to do? Or Yannick? Or what do I want Marilyn or Jenny to do? What do I want you to do? Well, that small passage, he who abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. What do you mean, Lord? Look at 1 John 3, verse 16. There's John 3, 16. Then there's 1 John 3, 16. Look at the comparison. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to do what? Let's say that together. Lay down our lives for the brethren. What does that mean? You know what that means? This is deep now. Are you ready for it? Jesus laid down his right to his rights so that we could have our rights. Jesus didn't bicker and say, why are you doing that to me? Why are you persecuting me that way? Why are you lying about me like that? Why are you conniving and, and falsely accusing me that way, Jesus had every right, Bob, to say to the mob, wait a minute, this ain't why I came. This is not, I didn't do anything to be treated this way. In the judgment hall of Pilate, he could have said, that's not what, that you're not talking about me. But what did the Bible say he did? He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he did not what? He wouldn't even open his mouth. Why? Because at that moment, as when they said to him, if you are the son of God, come on down. Save yourself. No, he wasn't here about saving himself. What does that mean to lay down your life for your brethren? Brethren, here's the point. He gave us the ability. He gave us the power. He gave us the challenge. When we love somebody the way that he loves us, when we become his children, we should be willing, Joe should be willing to lay down his rights. For my right. I should be willing to lay down my right for Will's right. But you know, that is a human impossibility. Right? Did the Lord know that? Here's how we know he knows that. Second Peter 1 verse 2 and 4. This is why he made this provision. Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine, what is the very next word? As his divine power has given to us how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
who called us by glory and virtues. And then he says this, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious, what? Promises. And I'm going to just get a part of this. That through these you may be partakers of the what? Divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Lord is saying, I'm giving you something that you don't have. I'm giving you a divine nature. Why do you need that divine nature? Yannick, without that divine nature, you'll never even feel the need to lay down your life for somebody else's rights. You'll never even feel the need to say, that's, that's, that's not right. Why would you do that to me? The Lord is saying that he could have done that to his accusers. He could have said to them, this is not my right. This, you don't have the right to do this to me. Put thorns on my head. Do you know who I am? Well, why did he do all that, Brian? He laid down his rights so that one day we will have rights. And then he winds it up by saying this, Bob. 1 John 3 and verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And then the scripture gets applied to us as it was applied to Jesus. Let's read it together. John 15, 13. Look at it. John 15, 13. Greater love. Let's read it together. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus did not ask Peter to die for him. Jesus asked Peter to live for him. The communion service we, we glory in the fact that this represents his broken body and his shed blood. And then we are told, until we are willing to become broken bread and poured out wine for the salvation of someone else, we have not yet become his children. But when we become the children of God, I was telling my wife, my schedule is insane. Because <laughs> I don't have just a 3 ABN schedule, I have a church schedule. And I'm not bagging that I'm, that I'm different. I, I, could, I know Moses, if he wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning, that may be normal. A lot of us live by this, what we call the vortex of activity. But sometimes during the week when I'm preparing for this thing and that thing, and then Dee called me during the week. She said, let me get off this phone <laughs> because she gave me something else. She passed it. Don't forget, this is part of your calendar. And I wouldn't say anything. She said, Angie, I better get off this phone before Pastor gets upset with me. It's coming at it from every side. And I never forgot this point. When you get to the place that you feel the burdens of life are too great, I just discovered this. You are putting it on yourself to accomplish these responsibilities. But when you remove the responsibility from yourself and put it on Christ, accomplish it come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest so I'd rather be broken bread and poured out wine when I dive into my look at my schedule and I think man there's a whole lot of stuff to do I'm willing to take that time to sit down and talk with you I'm willing to come to the office or meet you somewhere and say tell me what's on your heart you know why because when I accepted this call, 
I accepted this call to be broken bread and poured out wine. So these positions we talked about in church, if nobody fills them, will be broken bread and poured out wine because we have been called to be that, to give our all so that one day my retirement plan will be out of this world. <laughs> Amen, somebody? Work for the night is coming. The night cometh in which no man can work. If God has called you to work, don't work yourself to death, but work for the glory of God. And when the time comes to take a breather, take a breather. When you're done taking a breather, get on in there and grease those elbows and grease those knees and work as though somebody's life depends on it. Don't complain about it. If it's too heavy, give it to the Lord and you'll find rest in his presence. But I can't wait. When my work schedule is done, as Jesus said, well, my work is done, so I'm going back home, but I'm coming back to get you when your work is done. How many of you want me to pray today that you lay down your life for your brethren as Jesus laid down his life for us? Let's pray, and then we're going to have a little time of testimony. Father in heaven, it is not easy being a Christian. You never said it would be. You said if anyone would deny himself, if anyone will be your disciple, let that person deny himself, deny herself. Take up her cross and follow me daily. But so often we want the right to ourselves. I don't have the time for that. I, I, that's not my responsibility. No, 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 I'm not doing that. Got something else that I need to do. And when you had something else to do, you did it all for us. And so when we are challenged by the cares of life and the things that cause our minds to sometimes fail with great responsibility, Help us to love enough to lay down our lives to show that the greater love is not because of our greater love. We love you because you first loved us. And that love has now activated us to pass from death to life. And the evidence is we love our brethren. So strengthen us today, Lord, and as we testify of your goodness, may all the glory go only to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.